At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. How are you enjoying the new segment, Waterfall Wednesdays, with Nick A. Johnson, with Nick J. You guys digging it? Been getting some decent feedback so far, so that's good. Uh, continue to give me that feedback. Jump on the social medias. Send me a message. Uh, you can definitely leave a review. Leave a review on the on the Apple iTunes. Rate it if you haven't done that already. I'd appreciate it. Haven't pimped that out in a while. So uh, make sure you guys are doing that. If you're new to the show, welcome. Thank you. And uh, we're going to get into it. Before we do that, I want to remind everybody that if, all my bearded brethren, or if you're thinking about growing a beard, go check out thebeardstruggle.com. That's thebeardstruggle.com. And you have some awesome beard care products. Um, I am really digging it, guys. I'm like, this is, I feel kind of weird talking about it, honestly. But it's, I don't know. I never thought I'd be a, a guy that was going to use beard products. But I'm really glad I got into it because my beard is way softer. It just behaves better. Like, everything about it is awesome. So I'm kind of in... Uh, now, usually this time of year, I've already shaved my beard off, and I just have the goatee, and that's kind of like my summer face. And I'm having a hard time taking that jump and, and going to the goat for summer because I'm just I'm liking my beard right now so much. And so, yeah, I don't know if I'm gonna do that or not. So, anyways, the beard, the stuff is really good. The beard balm and the elixir and all that stuff. Go to the beardstruggle.com website. Check everything out. If there's if if you want to try the stuff or you're gonna buy some stuff at checkout, use code FULLSCALE15 and you'll get 15% off your purchase. So, and you'll be helping out the podcast uh, as well. So hey, it's a win-win for everybody. You have a better beard, and a couple pennies will come this way, and. Uh, help keep the, the lights on and doors open so beardstruggle.com code full scale 15 check out save yourself 15 percent all righty let's get to this week's waterfall wednesday right here on the full scale outdoors podcast <laughs> that sound this is a good one here we are at 
Waterfall Wednesday, and back with Nick A. Johnson, but uh, eventually I'm going to hand the reins over to you as much as possible. I think this subject might be a good one for you to really take the reins. Band hunting. And really go. Yeah, we're going to talk about band hunting. Actually, you're going to talk about band hunting, because I only have like four or five bands to my name. Um, so just for fun, I think you should intro. Well, so. welcome to Waterfall Wednesday. I am your host, Nick J. Perfect. I'm out. All right. I'll catch you later. All right. We're going to talk about something that <laughs> really interests people because they really want to do this someday, and it's band hunting. So band hunting is when you are hunting specifically to target a banded bird. Like, I don't want to go home and clean geese today. I want to shoot a bird and get its story is really what it's about. You know, every goose has a story, but only the banded ones tell it. And it's just awesome to go out and shoot and decoy birds over and over and over and, and look for them and dealing with the successes and dealing with the mostly all failures that comes with it. And you learn a ton. So um, first of all, let's talk about like uh, field selection. If you're going to do a band hunt, what kind of field are you looking for? Is it the field with a thousand geese in it? Not if it's got tall stubble. You're no longer... You're, you're no longer care, uh, concerned about how many birds can we get to 25 yards and then buck into them. It's how many birds can I see their legs. So you're going to, there's only two opportunities you're going to get to do that. Right about like that last couple few moments before they're landing and then after they land. And you can stand, you can check their legs. So if you've got any sort of um, stubble in a field that's over a couple inches tall, you're not seeing no legs after they land, so you pretty much have the moment before they land to go, no, 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 shit, they all landed. So what do you do then? Well, you get the binocs out and try as best you can just for one's walking. You can get the, oh, that's the left legs, no, yeah, right legs maybe, I don't know, there's a feather on it. If one to scratch his head. So you don't want to just necessarily pick an X field or any field. You want flat. You have to have a flat field for your field selection. You have to have a, a bean field, a mowed lawn, um, a parking lot. Ice is great. Hunting over ice is great for band hunting. Uh, another thing is you're always, always going to want to try to set up with the sun at your back. If the sun is going to be out that day, you want it at your back. I don't care if the wind's wrong. That doesn't matter. We're band hunting. Like The point is to see bands. We can, we can compensate for a bizarre wind. We can... A lot of times you're using very few decoys when you band hunt anyways. You can kind of control where the birds are going to land in any wind. And sorry to me interrupt, but decoys could also obscure your view. So if you're running a shit ton of decoys. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that definitely we're, we'll talk about is too. Like decoys are <sighs> use as few as you can because you put out 10 dozen decoys and some geese land behind 30 of them. You're looking, trying to look through 30 decoys. That's worse than stubble. So you got decoys are going to conceal the legs even worse than, um, even worse than the actual stubble. And it doesn't matter if you're using Dave Smiths or stuffers; they're mannequins, and geese are weirded out by them. Like uh, we did a, a hunt in uh, a trophy hunt out in California, where we were letting the snow geese walk in. So we used like 18 decoys, and the snow started landing like 500 yards away. And then over the course of about a half hour, they walked to us. And there was a moment where like this big pot of snows and Ross were around our 18 decoys 
you could just see all of them like just got concerned like there's 20,000 geese out here and like the thousand of them that were next to our decoys were like looking around looking at each other looking at looking around and then all of a sudden kaboom like a thousand of them exploded away from those decoys and they circled around once and then they came back and landed with the other 19,000 that were still in the field and they eventually all walked into our spread again without concern but they had established like these this is weird we were all talking about it. I was like, do you think they would have done the same thing with stuffers? Because they were Dave Smith snow goose decoys. And we were all like, probably. Because it's just goofy looking. It's just off-putting. Like, what if you walked into a Target or a Walmart and everybody was standing there completely still just staring at something on the shelf? You'd be like, yeah, even if it was a wax museum, yeah. as real as they look, yeah. you know it just weirds when you out. get close enough, you know what's fake and what's the not. The more feathers, live birds, more breathing animals and less plastic fakes in your field the, the more comfortable birds will stay so just always use very few decoys for those two reasons um we talked a little bit about like field selection now buddy selection everybody wants to be a band <laughs> hunter right everybody Except wants they don't no they don't <laughs> um determine do you really want a band hunt and then if you really want a band hunt when you're asking people if they want to join you got to ask them do you really want a band hunt because it's not easy, man. Do you want to kill a bird or do you want to Do you want to, to shoot your gun? What's, what are you going to get out of your enjoyment tomorrow? Is it going to be decoying birds and bird watching? Because that's what we're going to do. And um, it happens so many times where you got to, like, I'm pretty dedicated about band hunting. And I'll go out with a group and I'll say, guys, do you want to band hunt this field? I think we have a good opportunity. It's nice and flat. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until the first two groups don't do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those first two groups of the morning come out and they come into about 25. They look all pretty and you know, they bounce out of there. One or two of them lands. Okay, those two aren't banded, but we missed the 23 in that flock there. That you know, we didn't check those at all. Next flock same thing. Next flock a little bit of the same thing. And then all of a sudden those trigger fingers get so <laughs> itchy. Should we just start shooting? Should we just start shooting at these? Did you come out here to band hunt? Yes or no? And have that determined cuz that turns that yes is the easiest way to peer pressure like peer pressured into a no like nope we're shooting mm-hmm. and um like, that's not the point here guys You're like I don't want to clean birds I got plenty of brats in the freezer we are band hunting so it's just, uh, selecting the group of people you're gonna do it and establishing that you're going to do this because a lot of times those hunts where you start oh should we just start shooting should we just start shooting as the morning progresses they start decoying better. And better and better. And next thing you know, you, you and six guys, you got your seven-man limit, or you and two guys, let's call it. You got your three-man limit, and there's still birds kind of milling around all over the place. And uh, the last two flocks really did it dirty. And now all of a sudden you're picking up, and there's already a two-pack trying to bomb <laughs> in. You're like, we should have stuck to the fucking plan. Yeah. <laughs> so that happens quite a bit. Stick to the plan. Got to stick to the plan. And pack a sandwich. Like, if you know that there's going to be activity for a long period of time, plan on being there a long period of time. Have food. Like, you can't run into these – if you're band hunting, you cannot run into a situation where it's like, oh, I'm out of cigarettes. I need to run to the store. Like, I'm so hungry, man. Like, why don't you have fucking six hard-boiled eggs in your blind bag, man? Like, why don't you have a ham sammy in there? You got to prepare for this. Think of it like deer hunting. Exactly. Like You're here – You for a potential all – do you want to sit there all day? No, but – 
prepare that you may potentially be sitting there for a long time. A long time. And if if it's a good opportunity to band hunt, like you got a good traffic line, you got a flat field, you got workable, friendly birds, like you can check a lot of legs today. Don't let that double band come in while you're at the gas station at Casey's grabbing a couple pepperonis. Like that is the worst thing that can happen. So be prepared for the haunt. And, um, um, you know, like we were talking about field selection. What about area selection? People say, well, go to a banding site. That doesn't work out like you think it would. When do they band geese? During the molt, right? So that's going to be like June, July. Mid-June to early July is when most banding projects happen. When does season start? September 1 in a lot of cases. August 15th in North Dakota. That's a full 80 to 100 days after they got banded and a full 40 to 50 days after they've attained flight. So once those geese attain flight, they are on the move. Um, every four to six weeks, habitats completely change. I mean, living in Minnesota, we get very dramatic examples of that. We go through crazy seasons. But the geese change with that habitat. They're always going to adapt and go to the most ideal habitat for them. Now in June and July, that's at this banding location that they, they set up. They band all these birds. I mean, August comes around. Mid-August, they're flying. Mid-August, they're migrating. They're going to better food sources. They're going to better habitat. They're meeting up. They're starting to congregate with other birds. Like when you see a field in, you know, August 31, and it's got a 1,000 geese in it, something that happens where you find just a shit stack field before early season opener. Uh, a thousand geese weren't born within five miles of this fucking yeah, right. field. Like they have come from somewhere and a lot of, t- you know, they are evacuating their areas that they occupied in June, July, and now they're moving into the August, September habitat zones. So just going to a banded area. Yeah. It's better than, it's better than just pit, like sticking your finger on a map and going there. You're probably going to have better band odds, but it's not necessarily going to be a slam dunk for you. And I don't think you can just go like, oh, I'm just going to go south of where I know they band because, you know, geese migrate south and blah, 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 blah. And most of the time in August, they migrate north. (laughs) I was just going to bring that up. They're they're migrating to food sources. So that can kind of come into your uh, play of how you're picking your fields or where. little tangent. I just saw that the USGS is doing a study in North Dakota where they're putting satellite trackers surgically implanted inside of mallards. And they're doing it specifically to find out what they do post-molt migration they want to find oh. out where they're going and i emailed the dude yesterday i was like do you have any preliminary results <laughs> <laughs> and he has yeah. not responded Son yet of a bitch. i know so holy shit he did respond oh wait a minute mm. it says yeah they're going to none your field all right what does it say <laughs> got no oh, he forwarded it to somebody one of his researchers oh all right, cool. That's what it says. Uh, something like you to describe was the impetus for our work, especially in North Dakota. Lots of ducks produced around early, and then nothing comes start a hunting season. Copying the graduate student on the process, Cindy Anchor, Dr. Stratford. Cool. Maybe we'll get some answers. Awesome. Um. Anyways. That shit's interesting. It is interesting. Um. So now we kind of talked about, like, what area you want to be in, what field you want to select, what decoys you want to use, what buddies you want to bring. Um, there's some criticisms out there. This is not. A, this is a hot-button issue in some circles um, where 
people are not happy about the band targeting. And uh, the criticisms of them of it is like you're just hunting for social media likes is one. Which no, I'm not. Meat hunters are hunting for their pile know, picks. You get a weird feeling the first few times you do um, band hunts. And you come home with zero birds, but you decoyed like 200 of them. You're like, you have this weird feeling of non-success. Like, we weren't successful today. Like, are you kidding me? You just landed 200 birds. Like, not only that, but you worked 10 flocks instead of working three flocks and limited. The knowledge you gain is so much better. You're educating them, bro. You're, oh, you're educating them. <laughs> That's another common one. Um, I don't know what... We're educating them too, except the fact that decoy spreads are safe. <laughs> I was going to say, you actually are helping. I would say, if there's any argument to be made, if you decoy a thousand birds and they come into your spread, leave at their leisure, don't get shot at, you've helped the next decoy spread that they go into. I guess. I don't know <laughs> if it helped or hurt. I just think they when most geese leave our spreads, we let them chill and hang out with us and let them leave naturally. Um, they leave with a definitely, definitely a confused look on their face. Like, what was that all about? And they usually, here's a weird thing. They usually fly right, right over the top of the blinds when they leave, like within, hmm. like you can feel their wing beats a lot of times when they leave. That's one actually really good tip I didn't touch on. Is what, well, you one should of the grab most, them, make sure they don't have the little <laughs> web tags. One of the most important <laughs> things about band hunting, uh, is, um, when those birds commit, you get that moment before they land to check them. Once they touch the ground... You slide into your blind. Do not start binocularing and poking your nose around immediately at those birds. And it's so hard not to do that. So you got to just slip down in your blind and you got to give it a solid. It feels like eternity, but I'm saying like three to five minutes. I mean, pull up, pull up some social media, uh, do a little read a chapter of a book, whatever you got to do. <laughs> do not show those geese that you're there. Um, Something is going to happen with the attitude of those birds. When they first land, they are looking around. They're looking at the weird mannequins they just landed next to. They're looking for something that is wrong. And they're looking for a predator, a fox, a coyote, a human. And they are on edge. And they do, they're, all their heads are up. And they're all looking around. And then a minute goes by. And they're all looking around still. Two minutes go by. And this one starts eating. And three minutes go by. Now they're walking around. And all of a sudden, you can come up and start poking your eyes at them. And you'll see that their heads will go back up. They'll be like, oh, shit, what's that? And they'll be like, give it another minute. And they're like, it's probably nothing, I guess. And they'll go back to eating. Now you can get your shoulders up out of there, and they look at you again. Same thing. They go back to eating. You can get them to, like, calm down. And uh, actually, I've got a funny story. Um, Colorado, super difficult hunting conditions. All the fucking chips in the goose's favor that day. And uh, we get a two, we're doing a big, huge, sprawled-out spread. And... Two pack only geese of the day to decoy and do it right, but they did it like 90 yards away. And I told the guys, I'm like, We're look, should we start belly crawling some young bucks? I was like, No, 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 here's what we'll do we'll give it 10 minutes and then we'll walk up to them and we'll shoot them at 20 yards, <laughs> you know, we'll let them calm down. And uh, yeah, we gave him the 10 minutes, and then this guy named Noah just starts belly crawling. I'm like, No, no, don't do that. And he's already like 20 yards away, just belly crawling like a marine. <laughs> it's like, God damn it, I told you we could just walk over there <laughs> casually right. and get him. I was so nobody went with them because I don't like belly belly crawling is dangerous in a group, you know. Just one yeah, one oh guy, yeah. just one guy can do that. Two it's two geese. He goes out there, bang bang, one's banded. Oh, it's like, son, son of a, of a bitch, bitch. Noah. <laughs> First double website I ever saw. 
That was sweet. So, yeah, give them that time. And uh, back to the criticisms of it. I think you really do get a very enjoyable hunt experience when you band hunt. Um, it's not all about the kill anymore. It's all about learning. It's all about working decoys. What worked today? What didn't work? What could we have done differently? What did I learn from the 25 flocks throughout the day compared to what do guys learn when they smash their limit out of three flocks, four flocks, high five, pick up, cafe time? So you're getting vastly more experienced goose hunting by not pulling the trigger. And you get to really know the personality of the birds you're pursuing. And the more insights you have, the more effective you can be at hunting them. So, like, people are like, you just doing that for social media likes, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm doing it for my personal enjoyment, man. I mean, I'm, I mean, you go out there and smash three every, you know, smash your limit out of the first two flocks. I mean, does that make you feel like more of a man? Like, does this make me feel like more of a man? Dude, we're all getting our own personal enjoyment out of it in the way we, we, we enjoy it. Some guys work dogs. Some guys take pictures, you know. There's yeah. so many niches in the nerddom of waterfall hunting. And well, the reason to share it is that people love band Oh, stories. Yeah. They love the idea of getting a band. It's like it's a huge part of the waterfalling culture. So, yeah, it's not necessarily like oh, I'm just trying to get likes. I'm you know being right. a social media whore, but it's like I'm going to share this because I know there's a bunch of people that like it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why would I not share? It? And a lot of times, I ain't sharing my because band hunts. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I it's like, does that person that has that criticism do they ever click like on anything? Because if you're doing it, then you're just promoting that. Well, Social I actually media responded like. to one guy. I responded to one guy who said was making that argument. I said, like, it's not about killing for us. It's about the experience. It's about enjoying nature. It's about taking a bird that has a story behind it. He goes, that's actually a really good point. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So another uh, really common criticism you hear is you're skewing band data, or you're skewing the data that's get that the scientists are getting from the banding. And that is true to a degree because. Let's take a scenario we've already discussed, like those mornings where the birds are just coming into 25 yards and one filters in. You don't get to check any of those legs and you didn't shoot the, you didn't pull the trigger. You guys want to say like, let's start shooting, let's start shooting. Okay, well, what if you guys were shooting like that into every group? You're you know, a bit gone. You, what if, well, that 25 birds, one does it right. You rain into them with six dudes, you drop seven of them. What if one of those was banded? I mean, when you're band hunting, you didn't check 23. Mm-hmm. So you could have got in a band by just bucking into everything. Band hunting doesn't guarantee you'll kill a band. It guarantees you won't kill a non-banded bird. So there might be birds that are banded in the flocks that, you know, maybe you can only check half the flock. Well, there's two bands in the other half of that flock you never saw, and you didn't pull the trigger on them. So I think there's a give and a take. Like, are you going to shoot more bands by band hunting? Not necessarily. You're definitely going to shoot less geese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. By band hunting. And so is that skewing the research? Maybe. But the danger of the research being skewed is that sometimes there's a couple different methods that they, um, the scientists use to determine um, mortality of birds. And they get it from band reporting data. There's a certain percentage of bands that they figure get reported. There's a certain percentage of bands that they figure go unreported. And it's all going into this crazy mathematical equation that I can't understand. But if you're shoot, if they think that if you're targeting bands and targeting them effectively, your harvest rate is going to be much higher represented on their data. 
But there is a comment section. You can write, I targeted this band. I decoyed many birds and targeted bands. You can write that on your cert. Um, stuff like neck collars. Neck collars, they know, have about a double harvest rate as a regular band does. Um, it's twice as likely that a neck collar will get reported as killed as a regular band. And th they're not idiots. Yeah, you they, can see them. <laughs> yeah, so when they are doing a neck collar study, they're not putting neck collar on to figure out mortality. They're putting neck collars on to really find out where the fuck are these things going? What are their mo like movements? So they can be reported more than once. Exactly. So they want to get multiple reports. Yeah, so people with binoculars. Birders can, love to yeah. report them. I mean, right. I, we love to report. I, yeah. I've, I've reported neck collars that I saw in the park, and it's just great to hear the story mm -hmm. of the bird. For sure. And um, so. And how many people are actually band hunting? Very Is few. Going to be enough to skew numbers. Na I don't. I would ninety-five percent of people. I'm believing that. Even the select few people who do decide to do a band hunt usually abandon that band hunt after the first two <laughs> flocks. <laughs> right. So, and in my band hunts too. I mean, I was successful band hunting on one hunt this last year. I mean, I'm taking trips just for bands. Yeah, you went to Canada a couple times. Yeah, a couple times, and um, I mean, it's not likely that you are going to go out and like, all right, today's a band hunt. We're going to shoot seven bands. It's not likely, even if you got a field where you got a neck collar in it and like you're specifically targeting that band, you got perfect weather the next day, you still might not get it. You still might not see it. It could migrate out and, at night and pick a different field that day. I mean, are we skewing data? Potentially, especially on the color markers where they're very easy to see. But when it comes to color markers, again, the scientists know they're getting targeted harder. And they aren't trying to get mortality data off of it. You can write in that you've targeted it. Yeah. I, again, I think saying it's like, it, obviously, there's an element of, yes, you're skewing the data or changing the data or whatever. But to what extent? And does that mean you're throwing off right. the whole study? Out no, of a, out no of a hundred banded birds on a study, how many of them got targeted when they got reported? Say a hundred from a study got reported. I mean, how many band hunters are out there? How right. successful are they being? How many bands are band hunters missing out of the birds yeah. that don't if, decoy? If one out of that hundred was reported from a band hunt, mm -hmm. it doesn't negate the information they gathered from the other 99. I, I truly And it's just one more thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one more bit of information. There is no wrong information for researchers. Right. If, if you write in that notes that I band hunted, I passed on X amount of birds before I got this band – that researcher may not even have been aware that there are people crazy enough to, to go do that. They're like, oh, well, this is interesting. There are some people that aren't, as far as like determining season structures or limits or whatever, they're like, well, some people don't even go out to shoot a limit. There's this guy that reported a band last year that he was just The trophy only thing hunting. that's really skewing research in any sort of really fucked up way is the guys that are band snatching and selling. Yeah, well, that's fucked that's, up. That's skewing research because guys are selling those unreported bands. Now, it's not, it is not difficult to get bands off of legs. And, um, it's getting fucked up twice because, one, the goose was captured. That, that information is, not, is actually when the band should have been reported is not making it to the researcher. Mm -hmm. Then you got some jackass that Buying bought it on it. eBay, yeah. and now he's going to report it and make a story. Yeah, and put and it so on social media. So you're getting completely false yeah, information. Like when you snatched a band in Canada and sold it, and then a guy in uh, Nevada bought it and then reported it as killed in Nevada, and all those researchers are looking at that. Oh, going, what the fuck? One of our birds got killed in Nevada? That's yeah. fucking crazy. And they don't know that you're a 
piece of shit eBay band buyer. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with buying bands on eBay. It's, just get the a- accurate information. You shouldn't represent them as bands you killed, but there is some. There is band collectors. And sure, I, I love that too. You know, like sure. if you had a band collection from the '40s and '50s, and you bought it on eBay, and each one's got like a cert with it. Holy shit, that's awesome. I would buy it on eBay. Yeah, but if you're like buying bands on eBay, reporting them as birds you killed in this area, putting them on social media, talk about like, social media, like being a social media douchebag. If you're just doing that so that you can have a lanyard full of bands, that's cra- That's bizarre to me because no, they're, that's they're like just, life. They're like life milestones. That's just peacocking at that point. I went to a band area and hunted um, recently in Canada and hunted with some locals, and they said, "Let me see your lanyard." You, this big band hunter, I showed him my lanyard. I was like, this is my life's work. <laughs> my life's work. And they're like, that's all you got? <laughs> exactly. You're like, uh, yeah. Like, I'm 22. <laughs> I got more than that. I'm like, I mean, dude, this is so many fucking hunts went into this lanyard. Like, yeah. You just live in the right area, you know? Yeah. And if you want to shoot more bands, just, um, you know, follow the advice on this and travel. Travel. It's a great excuse to travel. Like, I know where some yellow, black, plastic ones are. Wouldn't it be cool to go there and try and hunt? Yes. Yes, it would be. You know, like <laughs> yes. you're adding a unique challenge to your to your hunting elements, and you're adding in an excuse for um, adventure. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely we'll, an outside the box thinker when it comes to shit like that. I could easily be talked into something like that. That that that's right up my alley. But the one thing you got to do is prepare yourself for failure. Oh yeah. Because it's not you're no longer going to be doing slam dunk X field hunts, and you might take a hunting trip where you don't shoot a goose. And like that's 500 miles away. You might yeah. get on a plane. Well, fortunately, I like to travel. Fortunately, I like to meet cool, interesting new people. So that's and if along the way I end up successfully getting a band, that'd be awesome. I mitigate the risks. So like, if I'm going to an area where it's high likelihood that I will fail, what else is there to do around there? Right. Um, maybe I'm gonna stay at the nice hotel that's along along the bay. You eat know? some bomb-ass food somewhere. Eat some bomb-ass food. That's what I want to be doing is go, looking at. Meet some cool people you wanted to meet. Good foodie places to um, go. Yeah, good foodie places, a good brew pub. Like, Hell yeah. Get a like a nice dope hotel. Like this one band trip I went on, I stayed right on the uh, right on the Great Lakes. And uh, super high rise. I was in like the 16th floor. Just hoity-toity people <laughs> up in there. You know, like they got the piano player in the lobby and I'm just rolling in with my camo and yes. dirt everywhere. I got a shotgun draped over my arm. Like, oh, all right, let's get in the elevator. Hello, how are you doing? <laughs> but, Hello, Johnny, good. How are you, man? But you know what? We, we, we ate good and uh, we had a dope hotel the whole time and I was not successful getting a band on that trip and I had a blast. But it was fun. There were some sweet hiking trails in the area that I hit, so mitigate your risk of having a horseshit terrible time <laughs> in case in all likelihood you fail i think again this is like this is a trophy this almost a lot of this stuff mirrors like big game hunting where it's a low success rate endeavor mm-hmm. you know you go out these big game hunters go out you know for elk and they there's certain zones and certain you know areas that people want to get into and it's hard to get those it's hard to draw those tags and when you get in there it's super remote like your chance of success is not good but they're not going into it with if i don't punch this tag this trip's a failure mm-hmm. they're going into it with i'm going on an adventure exactly during from this date to this date and as long as you have that attitude and, you'll be okay and there's a possibility of being successful you do have to start to get used to that feeling of decoying lots of geese 
and having an otherwise would have been insanely awesome hunt. Like I like to say there's 50 photos, 50 limit photos that are missing from my camera roll because I do this. Like, yeah. You know what I have at the end of that hunt? Nothing. I have no photo. I have no, I have the experience of trying to work multiple flocks. I have no social media post that gets 500 likes. I got nothing. All I got is what happened in my brain right. and the learning experience. And you have a little pit in your stomach like, did I fail? <laughs> and in a way, yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. Get used to it. There's a, it's kind of a forced scenario, but in the, in spring snow goose hunting, obviously you can only shoot the light geese and specs love the decoy to a white spread. So do lots of other things and mm-hmm. ducks and full breeding plumage. And a lot of the people that I guide, they come out and they're just like, even if we don't shoot much, they're like, holy crap, that was a fun day. Oh, yeah. All those birds that we saw, he's like, I've never seen ducks decoy like that, or I've never seen that many birds. I mean, I could feel their wing beats against my face. Like, that was insane. Yeah. Now, granted, it's because they legally can't shoot into those decoying flocks of birds because they're not on the docket to be killed. And if you tried to sell them on that in the fall, like, hey, let's just go out and bird watch and let's only shoot gadwalls today yeah like you know that's nobody's good now nobody's doing that so they're like i mean they're kind of forced into that situation but they also appreciate it for what it is like they take away they're like they don't they didn't look at the day like this was a failure because we only shot four snow geese today they're like dude i've seen more ducks today than i've seen in my entire career combined that was awesome so what would i consider like a successful band hunt i'm looking at the threshold of like checking let's call it 10 to 15 birds if I can look at 10 to 15 birds, good. Check their legs. I had them in range. That was an awesome day. If I can check 100, and there's been days where I've checked multiple hundreds and had no, can, no, and had no kills. And uh, I bet. It, 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 um, that is by far and away, like, you start to really, really appreciate it. Like, especially after you've done it 20, 30, 40 times, and you'd realize how difficult it is to check 10 fucking birds' legs. <laughs> yeah. You'd one, one day you'll get 40 of them. You'll check a flock of 20, all lands. You got to check every one of them. Then a flock of two, a flock of three. And you're like, God, I got up to like 40, 50 birds I checked today. Holy shit. That was a so lot. Like when you're checking, like when that, like I said, that moment right when they're putting their feet down, they're coming out like, ha, I mean, that's kind of got to be like almost panic mode. We're just like trying to see as many feet as you possible. Just, I just, I point at, I like, no, no, no. I like to give them the no, 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 no. Say get as many no's out of the way as I can. And say you almost gotta not flock shoot with your eyes. Like you need to pick a target. And that's why and you always gotta sure. have the sun at your back to just increase the chances that you're gonna see it. Because there are bands that are like rust colored, and there's even bands that are anodized black, hmm. and um, they're very difficult to see I even bet. in the correct light. I mean, sometimes. Uh, well, I took one trip where I, I went looking for plastics, plastic leg bands, and I first ones I saw. We're in the Applebee's parking lot in town. <laughs> so I cut across like four lanes of traffic, like, and like went into Applebee's real quick. And there's like 10 of them sitting out there and two of them got these big old plastic bands on their legs. I'm like, fucking awesome. <laughs> and I didn't get to like more than five feet away from them before I was like, oh shit, that one's got a rusty band. And so does that one. Oh, wow. And I was like, whoa, all of them do. Like, and I was so like hyper-focused yeah, right, on the plastic. Sure. Like, no, nah, none of the other ones have it, but. No, you really do have to pay attention. A lot of times, too, when you're band hunting, you're not looking for a band. You're looking for a weird thing. Like, that one's leg looked weird. Like, that's probably band. (laughs) It's not, like, clearly identifiable. And that happens with neck collars, too. When people target neck collars, 
you don't necessarily see the collar. You see that one has a weird neck. That's the one. Boosh! Not like picking it out. Blue. J74. (laughs) It's not bingo. Right. (laughs) Right. So I don't know. That about covers. Is that band hunting? That's band hunting in a nutshell. All right. Badass. That was pretty cool. Waterfall Wednesday done again. The Full Scale Outdoors podcast and a Waterfall Wednesday are brought to you in part, kind of, sort of, by thebeardstruggle.com. I say kind of, sort of, because this isn't your normal, like, paid advertisement. Um, this is me. I need to make sales. I get a, I get a very teensy commission on the sales through thebeardstruggle.com. So if you have a beard, if you know somebody with a beard, you'd like to get them a gift, Please check out thebeardstruggle.com. At checkout, use code FULLSCALE15. I'll get a small pittance, and uh, you'll get a great, you'll get some savings on a great beard product. Also, we are a proud member of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, so wherever you are listening to this podcast, please subscribe to the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. You're going to find just a bunch more outdoor um podcast and for you waterfallers there's a few other uh, duck and goose hunting ones on there you can dork out to as well and the waypoint tv app download that right to your phone you're going to get access to uh, this podcast and many more but more than that tons of super high quality uh, shows movies documentaries uh, hunting fishing freshwater saltwater you name it, it's all on there this is the good stuff i'm not talking like gopro phones you know cell phone camera videos on youtube no this is like the the real deal actual produced awesome stuff so go check that out thank you for listening continue to share it with your homies that's the best way to promote the podcast and spread it great review where possible and we will talk to you later whatever your passion pursue that full scale A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm ill there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.